What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in. We hope you're having a great day. We got another great show for you, especially you parents out there. Yes, we are interviewing Dr. Rebecca Hirschberg. And Dr. Rebecca is a clinical psychologist and the founder of Little House Calls, which specializes in helping kids and parents confronting a range of common early childhood challenges. Uh, she has written a book called The Tantrum Survival Guide. Tune into your toddler's mind and your own to calm the craziness and make family fun again. And she currently lives in Lower Westchester with her husband and her two young sons. And even if you don't have kids, you're going to find value here in being able to relate to friends that you have that have Absolutely. kids. Absolutely, Because today we're talking about parenting during the times of COVID. Obviously, there's a lot more stress in our lives. And if you have kids, probably especially younger kids, particularly toddler age, like we have, mm -hmm. uh, these are difficult times. And Rebecca gives us a lot of tools to be able to navigate them with our kids and with our partner, like how to communicate about parenting disagreements doing family check-ins, which is really valuable exercise, how to regulate screen time, you know, 10 hours of screen time <laughs> some days <laughs> seems to be the case, even though it's not quite 10, but why that's okay. And we shouldn't beat ourselves up about it and a lot more great stuff. And even if you, like Chase said, you don't have kids or you don't have any close friends that have kids, a lot of the times we have toddler brains and managing emotions can be hard. And so some of the information that Rebecca gives us, we can kind of use, you know, for, for, for ourselves sometimes and, and learning how to process things and not being so hard on ourselves. And sometimes you just need a good pout and that's okay. <laughs> yes. And as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you have not checked out our Love Tribe membership, go in the link in the description to the podcast and you can check it out. We've been talking about it for about a month now and we're including the bonus round of questions in a few of our episodes so you guys can get an idea of the additional content and also know that you will get these episodes completely ad-free when you become a Love Tribe member. And Love Tribe members will also be able to submit questions. We want to get you guys more engaged with the guests. And we can even ask your questions to guests as we get you guys signed up for the membership. So check that out in the link in the podcast description. And like we said, the bonus round of questions today and the wrap up at the end are usually not included in these regular episodes, but will only be included for Love Tribe members. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in, sending feedback, and telling your friends and family about the show. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. 
That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hi, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Rebecca, today we're going to talk about parenting during the times of COVID. And hopefully this podcast is not super relevant to COVID for too much longer, but for the foreseeable future, we are living under different circumstances and a lot of stress at home. And if you have kids, it's just adding to the stress. And so we want to talk about how we can navigate this with our kids, but then also with our partner on the same team, dealing with the stress together, not getting at each other. So there's a lot to unpack here, but why don't we start with some of the challenges that parents are facing during these difficult times? Challenges, you know, to my mind, the number one challenge, which probably spans all three and is related to all three, is is just our own stress levels and our own dysregulation because we're in such new and uncharted territory and there's so much uncertainty, which is so anxiety provoking on so many levels. And so when we are in that soup, so to speak, when that is all around us and pervasive and just part of our day-to-day life, it affects our ongoing stress levels in very very clear ways. And that, of course, then trickles down or filters down or bleeds out or whatever metaphor you want to use um, into parenting and and family health. Yeah. And during any time, having a toddler or really any age kid can be difficult at home. But now kids are home much more. School is, it's summer in a lot of places. So school is out, but it's likely that in the fall, school may be out as well. So the kids are home. Let's say we have kids at home and it's just, we're trying to limit the amount of time, screen time they have and maintain our sanity and also do this with our partner in in such a way that we're both communicating the same thing. What are some things that we can think about for maintaining our sanity, getting our kids maybe off of the screen, like to me, scheduling or some kind of, I heard a a dad today, actually, uh, I was surfing this morning and he was talking about, yeah, there's like no plan. There's not a lot of structure in the day. So they had like a structure in the morning. We're like, okay, today, here's what we're going to do. So what are some, maybe some constructive things that we can think about to organize the days and, and maintain some, some structure during these times? Yeah. it's such a great question because kids and grown-ups, for that matter, thrive when there's structure because structure means predictive. There's so much that's uncertain and unpredictable that to the extent we can bring some predictability into our day-to-day lives, we can end up feeling you know, slightly at least less anxious. The number one thing I would recommend is that partners take the time, and I know time is limited, but take the time to speak with each other. Um, before even bringing the kids into it and talk about what's feasible. So, for example, getting the kids off screens is a wonderful and noble 
goal, but it may not be feasible on a given day if you've got two working parents who both have things to do at the, you know, however you want to frame it. And so really thinking through the week, um, or if that feels like too big a chunk to bite off just day to day, having a check-in about what are the logistics of the day for the grown-up? What, what needs to happen? What would be nice if it happened? And to separate those two things out, right? So what, what is an essential priority? We absolutely have to do X, Y, and Z. And it would be nice to get the laundry folded, but that's not um, as necessary, you know, and really sort of breaking out priorities and, and breaking out the schedule in terms of which parent is going to be available when I think is the most important step. And then beyond that, then you can bring the kids into that depending on their ages and let them know you, it might be, you know, not about limiting screen time. It might be about saying, you know what, today is going to be a big screen time day. (laughs) You know, (laughs) today is going to be a two movie day because X, Y, and Z. Um, And so it's not about what you have planned, but it's about, again, that predictability of letting kids know what's coming down the pike. Um, And I think having family check-ins, the whole family, um, certainly once in the morning, once in the evening is ideal for kind of going over the plan, but also talking about what are the potential pitfalls? What's going to be a hard time of day? What didn't work so well yesterday that we're going to work on today? And just having those lines of communication. So one of the first things that comes to mind when you talk about structuring that and that it's okay if your kid is on screen time for most of the day, the first thing I think of is I start to feel guilty that I'm not being a good enough parent and that I have to give my child screen time to be able to get my work done. And then what that does is it makes me feel even more stressed out, like on top of the stress that I was already having. So can you give maybe some advice for other parents that are in that situation Yeah, I mean, I would certainly say that we have bigger fish to fry right now than screen time. (laughs) And and all the screen time kind of gurus came out pretty early in the pandemic and said that, Um, you know, basically said that it's not that all of their research is suddenly null and void. It's just that it all needs to be taken in a different context when when the hierarchy of needs has to be taken into account. So you know, if everybody is able to do their jobs and go to school and eat and sleep and stay calm and regulated, then sure, let's think about what the ideal amount of screen time is. But certainly all of those other needs come first. And what kids need during this time more than anything, and truly this is a science-based finding from all other kinds of, um, you know, we don't have any pandemic data, but certainly we have data on other kinds of war-torn regions and natural disasters and so on and so forth. Um, what kids need more than anything is a parent, a caregiver who is well-regulated. Um, and so I can give you a personal example, which is that during the pandemic, and we never would have dreamt of doing this beforehand, um, but we, meaning me personally in our house, have given our kids um, the iPads first thing in the morning when they wake up so that we can get a little bit of extra sleep. It's the trade-off that's worth it. That if you are weighing kind of your ability to be sane and pleasant and calm with your child against giving them an extra hour of screen time, the, the first one has to be the priority. 
you know, so giving your child an extra hour of screen time so that you can take a shower or you can call your best friend and vent or you can sleep or whatever it is that is going to keep you better regulated by far is preferable when you look at the science on child development to, okay, yes, they get an extra hour not being on their screens, but everybody's irritable and anxious and tense and ends up crying. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a great point and a good reminder, because I know Sarah and I can be, yeah, and a lot of parents out there, a bit hard on ourselves of like, trying to be a better parent and feeling guilty of like, Hey, here, here, just watch this and go sit over there. Cause of course, like we're lucky Stella and probably a lot of kids just get sucked in to the screen time and it's an easy babysitter. And like you said, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. And especially during these times. And if that makes us more sane and more calm, then that is what is actually better for Stella. Yes, I think. And I think just to be aware of going down that parent guilt cycle, which is very real and just reminding yourself you're in a pandemic. It's easy to forget that, um, you know, if you if you kind of unplug from media and, and, you know, there's we can sort of fool ourselves into thinking that we're back into life as normal, but we're not. And so the rules don't apply. This is really hard. We're all really stressed. Our nervous systems are really dysregulated. And so this idea of, you know, I'm a bad parent because I've broken the rules a little bit, or my kids are having a little bit um, more junk food than usual, or my kids are sleeping in my bed. um, That's all okay. And I certainly don't advocate for, you know, anything goes and there's no limits and no expectations because that doesn't help kids and families feel safe. But letting up on some of this sort of some of the micro stuff in order to emphasize the macro stuff, which is connection and love and support and calm, that's undoubtedly a priority during a global trauma, which is what we're in. What are some ways we can talk to our kids about what's going on? And obviously, it's going to be different for different ages. So why don't we start with toddler, because that's what we have and maybe we can work our way up through different age groups. How do you talk to a toddler about this situation? Stella, it would be like, why is why are all the restaurants closed? And we explained to her, there's this thing, a virus, it makes people sick, and it's to protect people, and we kind of take that line. How can we talk to our kids about this? I think that's a great line. I mean, I think you nailed, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the fact that the first thing to consider is developmental stage and what your child can handle. Um, It's always important to be honest. Um, So, so the restaurants are closed as you rightly told Stella because of a virus (laughs) and because we're protecting ourselves. I would add to that something that emphasizes that we're all in this together, right? So we're all, you know, we're all the superheroes who have to fight this virus. There's this virus in town and we all have to do everything we can to make sure that, um, you know, that the good guys, (laughs) that we win. Um, And that means closing restaurants and that means not going to school and that means mommy and daddy working from home or, you know, then you can list, you know, the different things. Um, So I think that that has been shown again to help kids feel like 
they're part of a greater whole in this as something to add, no matter what the ages are of your kids. Um, and, and again, to be honest, there, there is a virus out there and there are germs and it's really important for our whole, whether you want to say town, city, state, country, for everybody to be involved in helping the virus to go away. And, and that's, that can be helpful for kids who tend toward anxiety, not to make it as personal, right? Not to make it about like, it's so that you don't get the virus or I don't get the virus or grandma doesn't get the virus. It's because we need fewer people to get the virus and for the virus not to travel as quickly. And so we have to cut off the virus's pathways, which include crowds of people and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think that can be a way to be honest, but also not instill fear, which is certainly a question that I get from a lot of the families that I work with. Um, I think making it very concrete for younger kids um, and making it about, as you said, about restaurants, you know, or about school. Um, I think talking about things that are the same is something that often gets overlooked. So, um, you know, yeah, the restaurants are closed. It's different because of the virus. We can't go out to eat anymore. Good thing we can still have pizza in our living room, cozy on the couch, watching a movie, you know, and sort of talking about the things that are the same. Um, I also think allowing for emotions. Like it's also okay to just say, I really miss restaurants. This stinks, <laughs> you know, um, and, and let the emotional experience be there as well. What can we do if we're having disagreements with our partner about parenting during these times? How can we navigate those conversations? And everything is harder with all the stress. But now those conversations are even harder to even have because the kids are home all the time. Maybe you're also working from home. There's all this added stress. But how can we maybe compromise with our partner on screen time or, or just come to a common ground so that we're not at each other about how we're parenting the kids during these times? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing to do is try to schedule those conversations, um, which are never fun, but it really is the type of situation right now where unless you make time for something in an intentional and deliberate way, it just isn't going to happen. And what's going to end up happening is that you're snapping at each other in the moment each time. So each time your child has the iPad, you're going to get in an argument as opposed to trying to get ahead of it by scheduling a conversation um, and schedule the conversation you know, while you're doing something fun or else, I shouldn't say fun, but you know, it's not like it has to, you have to just sit there and talk, but I think it's important to prioritize it. And I think it's always helpful to think of it like a funnel, you know, so let's start really big and then get small. So if an argument, let's say is about screen time, or if an argument is about junk food, let's kind of pan out and what, what are our family, what's important to our family? What are the values we want to emphasize in our family? What do we want to see our kids be like when they're older? What kind of kids are we trying to raise? What do we want our home to feel like? And, and then you kind of can back up from there and say, okay, so where does screen time fit into that? So based on that example, you know, vis-a-vis the conversation we had a few minutes ago, well, I want our, I want our home to feel calmer. I just don't want our home to feel like there's, there's so much fighting. Okay, well, would it be helpful to have 
would that help things feel calmer? Or another home might say, would it be helpful to have less screen time? Because there, you know, again, it, 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 but it's talking about it in this larger context of then how do we get there with regard to these details? Before we continue on, we want to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Hailey. Hailey is the fastest growing dating app with over 18 million users worldwide. It's free and it makes it easy to meet new people, find dates, and form meaningful connections. What makes Hailey different from all the other dating apps and what I love the most about it is their focus on the communication between their users. Online dating is super challenging and through Highly's in-depth research, they found that most of their users have different dating goals, but the one thing they all have in common is they need to be able to strike up a conversation. So that's why Highly invests all of their efforts into creating an app where people can find memorable communication. And that's the first step to getting to know somebody. They even have the option of video calls on the app, which is one step forward in creating a deeper connection. One of Hailey's unique features is their compatibility check. You take a personality quiz that asks you all about your relationship orientation, personality traits, lifestyle, communication style, and some other personal preferences like sex, religion, and values. And it allows you to check the compatibility of any person before you even swipe right. So the test takes not only similarities, but your differences into account. And there are some great statistics where you can get detailed insights on how many people viewed your profile and who liked your stories. And my personal favorite is their icebreaker feature, which gives you an easy and creative way to start talking to somebody you like without that awkward silence. So visit highly.com to check out our new favorite dating app for you guys. Again, that's highly.com, H-I-L-Y highly.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show, relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit, but what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. 
And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. I would love to go back and talk a little bit more how you mentioned that it's okay to feel emotion during all this time. And and you gave the example of missing restaurants. I've found with Stella recently that she's had a bit of kind of pent up energy or frustration, I think, just with life and just the, the uncertainty and the changing. And as much as I try to get her to talk about her feelings versus like she's doing this big like pouty thing right now. (laughs) So instead of like doing that, I try to encourage her to talk about, you know, what she's feeling. But is there anything else I should be asking her or trying to get her to talk about so that she can release these emotions? You know, I think as parents and certainly as a psychologist, I'm guilty of this. Uh, you know, we put a lot of weight on talking and, and oftentimes the, the developmental expectation is too high, right? If she's yeah. saying, that's pretty good. Yeah. You actually know how she's feeling. She's having some big feeling that stinks. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like That's all you need to know. It might be frustration. It might be anger. It might be overwhelm. It might be anxiety. Chances are it's a mix of all of them. And she's way too young to be able to distinguish them anyway. And the fact of the matter is we can't right now. You know, I might stub my toe and like curse at the top of my lungs because it's just the last possible thing I can handle right now on top of everything else. You know, I mean, and I couldn't tell you, is that stress? Is that anxiety? Is that anger? Is that frustration? Is that pain? It's a, it's a mix. And so I think one thing that kids really um, respond to is when it's a, it's a phrase that Dan Siegel uses when they feel felt, right. When they feel like we get that. And it might be that what's going to help Stella feel gotten, feel felt more than talking about her feelings is for you to sit there and grunt with her, Mm. right? You get it. You are just sitting and grunting and you're just going to do that for a little while. You know, um, emotions travel through the body. So, you know, letting her be physical, whether it's running around outside or dancing, those are ways that you don't even have to mention what the feeling is called. It's just, you know, that we process stress through our bodies. And so you're helping your daughter get some movement, some energy um, out. Um, recognizing that when they have their, their meltdowns, which you know are happening more now because of this, again, the levels of stress, that it's not about the, the thing. I mean, I've been telling a story. My, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And my six-year-old a few weeks ago was trying to draw want to say a a giraffe, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. (laughs) And he started too low on his paper, as I later found out. And so he had room for the head and the neck. He didn't have room for the body. And he 
you know, threw his paper, threw his markers, fell on the floor, screamed, burst into tears. Um, and I just came and sat next to him, you know, and, and, and I'm, this is not to hold me up as a perfect mom because there's plenty of times that that's not what I've done. Um, but my choice was just, yeah, this kid's having feelings. And that's what I said. I just sat next to him. I said, man, this is all so hard. You know, man, this is just a lot. This is all just a lot. And that's all he needed to feel understood. And it wasn't a time to talk about when we're frustrated, you know, we don't throw a pencil. Like it's just, that's just too much for kids a lot of the time. Um, and so I think allowing for those emotional experiences and just recognizing that it's a function of stress and overwhelm without having to push them to take on the responsibility of explaining that to us is really valuable right now. Um, and also, sorry, I'm like giving a lecture. Can no, I say no, one no, more thing? <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like I just want to say one more thing, which is that it's so tempting as parents to want to fix it. Right. It's like, no, you don't get mm-hmm. to sit here and cry because that's hard for me as your mom. <laughs> like I want to, you know, like put on a song and dance or something, you know, to distract you and make you laugh. And there's a time and place for that for sure. But the message also has to be, yeah, you're having big feelings and that's okay. Um, and that's true, especially for older kids right now. I was giving a lot of talks um, in the spring when all these, you know, really important rituals were being canceled, like graduations and proms. And, you know, a lot of t- parents were asking me like, how do I get my kid to see that this isn't the end of the world? How do I get my kid to see that just because he isn't graduating in a formal ceremony doesn't mean that his high school um, experience was meaningless. And, and a lot, it's like, whoa, you're going too fast. Like right now your kid just needs to breathe. What a bummer that they don't get to have graduation. And I know you want to jump in and fix it and have them be able to see the big picture and look on the bright side and all that stuff. But that's not going to help them feel understood. And that's not going to help your connection with them, which is what they need more than anything else. I love that you mentioned that last part because it it really is a big relief as a parent to not feel like you have to fix it every single time or that you have to talk it through because sometimes it's that's like the the perfection parenting that you feel like you have to like talk through the emotions and like do a very good job at that and sometimes it's like really exhausting and really hard to do. Yeah. And especially, you know, there's so many opportunities to model that, you know, when we talk about our relationships with our partners, you know, chances are, as we've been talking about, stress is running high these days. You're snapping at your partner, your partner's snapping at you more than usual. When that happens to be able to say to your kids, oh, look, I'm having some big feelings. You know, I just snapped at daddy for leaving the refrigerator door open for too long. That wasn't about the refrigerator door being open for too long. That was about me just feeling tired and yucky. And so I took my big feelings and I put them on daddy, you know, and, and that's exactly what your kids are doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And so again, it opens up a conversation about emotions and tolerating and coping with emotions and that emotions are normal and okay, which is actually a much healthier message than when there's a bad feeling, we have to jump in and fix it and make it go away, which is much more often the unhealthy message that we get from our culture. I'm picturing Sarah grunting it out with Stella <laughs> and uh, really exercising those feelings. And yeah, it's so valuable. And I'm glad you mentioned bringing that into 
our relationship with our partners because so often we want to try to fix things and sometimes it's like the kid just wants to be heard your partner just wants to be heard so really beautiful advice there and i wanted to revisit your talk on family check-ins i think we talk about that with our partners having weekly check-ins to have a safe space for discussion what do family check-ins look like? Can you give some specific examples of some things we could be going over and the value in doing that? Sure. Um, you know, I think family check-ins, ideally small ones happen every day and then maybe a bigger one on Sundays um, or Saturdays if the case may be. I, I like Sundays because I often say you could do a Sunday bar on a Sunday. And again, if you can bring in kind of ice cream and something nice so that family check-ins are actually something kids look forward to as opposed to, um, you know, oh, here we go, another family check-in, <laughs> um, then that can be helpful. They can be really, you know, kind of quick and easy. It can be, you know, what, what's, you know, if it's, let's say it's in the morning, it's what's on tap for today you know, kind of what's the schedule ahead? What, 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 um, what do we have coming down the pike today? What are the parts that might be hard and how are we going to handle them? So let's say, you know, two o'clock mommy and daddy have, you know, conference calls at the same time, you know, let's problem solve that in advance. Um, what is something that worked really, really well yesterday and what's something that was hard that we're going to try to do better today? You know, those questions kind of what's working well, what's working not well, and what is coming down the pike are three questions that I think can be central to every family check-in. Beautiful. That sounds like a great tool anytime, but especially now, because just things like that, to me, they add a bit of structure to the day to day. So not only that, but then you're going to get the tools to, to move forward and communicate better with everyone. But I feel like the days kind of blend together now with the indefinite kind of reality that we're in. We're kind of waiting. People ask, Hey, what's going on? And my response has been like, oh, I'm just patiently waiting because it feels like that is the best mode to be in. So adding these structures and, and for the kids, it probably, it's kind of something to grab onto. Yeah, for sure. And again, it's just, you know, each parent is the expert in their own family. So some families are really going to benefit from naming it. You know, it's morning meeting or it's morning check-in and then there's evening check-in and kids are going to thrive with that. Other families, it's going to make much more sense not to name it and just to kind of do it each morning as a ritual um, but not call attention to it because kids might rebel. Um, so again, how you do it, there, there's a lot of room for individual variation, but this idea of just checking in and that we are all kind of a team working together um, to make each, each endless day <laughs> go smoothly um, is, is the important underlying message for sure. Rebecca, before we move forward to the bonus round of questions, are there any things that you want to emphasize or maybe that we skipped over? Obviously, there's a lot to unpack for parenting, especially during these times, but something that maybe you found really valuable uh, for parenting or working with your partner uh, during these times? 
Before we continue on with the bonus content, we just want to remind you that these bonus questions are typically only available in our Love Tribe membership. But for the next few weeks, we are giving you guys a sneak peek of what these bonus questions are like so that you can fall in love with all these questions as much as we do and want to subscribe to continue listening to them. So again, for the next couple of weeks, these bonus questions will be included in the episode. But if you want to continue to hear those bonus questions, forever, you can become a Love Tribe member by visiting our website, idopodcast.com, or by clicking on the link in the show notes to easily sign up and gain access to these bonus questions as well as ad-free episodes. Enjoy. I think, you know, I'm putting me on the spot, but I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's a, it's it's really important right now to give everyone in your family the benefit of the doubt. Um, Everyone is doing the best they can. You know, my husband, when he gets really stressed, he's more likely to get angry and irritable. When I get really stressed, I'm more likely to get sad and cry. And it's hard for me to see the other part. It's like, no, getting angry and irritable when you're stressed is wrong but crying is okay. (laughs) Like it's so easy to kind of judge other people's coping mechanisms. And for our kids too, Um, you know, behavior is communication for kids. And so when they're acting out, when they're extra irritable, when they're extra defiant right now, it all needs to be viewed through the filter and the lens of stress and overwhelm. And just to, to really focus on the fact that each person from an infant all the way through a grandparent is doing the best they can. And, and once you kind of credit people with that intention, it becomes a lot easier to um, handle kind of the day-to-day frustration. That is a beautiful tip and one that's a good reminder and a valuable tool for our partner or for our kids of giving everyone the benefit of the doubt or ourselves and and relaxing that pressure. So thank you for that, Rebecca. And now we're going to jump in to bonus round of questions. And we could do these in relation to parenting or the relationship, um, whatever feels most comfortable or makes sense or something that you already said. And our first question is, what is one daily tip that's actionable that can help improve our relationships? keeping ourselves regulated, making sure that we're taking care of our own needs, like eating well and sleep. Perfect. What is one book or resource that you would recommend for couples or for parents? Um, <laughs> there's so many to choose from. I would say Dan Siegel's book, Parenting from the Inside Out. What is one piece of advice for maybe change us up a little bit, new parents during this time? Normally we ask newly uh, weds or new couples, but how about new parents? First kid, pandemic, what would you tell them? Be gentle with yourself. There's no such thing as the right answer. There's just the path that you take and there's room for or improvement every step of the way. So just relax the pressure on yourself. 
And actually, I'm going to switch it up as well. For this last one, normally we ask relationship advice for, you know, single people or people trying to look for love. But in this situation, if you have any advice maybe for people who don't have kids to help maybe relate to their friends or their families who do have kids in this time, maybe any advice for them? Two pieces of advice. One, be forgiving. You may not be hearing from the people who you want to hear from, whether it's a sibling or a friend who has kids, you may feel a little bit neglected and know that that person is truly just up to their ears. And so be forgiving. And also, if you have the time and energy and inclination, offer to help because it just goes so far. Offering to do a 10-minute FaceTime conversation or read a story to a kid so that someone can go take a shower, that sort of thing is valuable beyond what you can possibly imagine and and would be enormously appreciated. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day with two kids who, are they at home right now? They are not. They are not. Well, good. Well, <laughs> I good. have a puppy that I was afraid was going to start barking during this, but she seems <laughs> to be okay. <laughs> Well, enjoy the almost empty house. And yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And we really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Love Tribe. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the important links are on the show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And while you're over there, we hope you check out our 14 day happy couple challenge, as well as all the free resources we have on our website. And thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next week. 